Hey, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Someone say freedom. Come on, freedom's in the house today. We're going to jump into this freedom from comparison. Freedom from comparison. I want to I go after a little bit of some nuggets on freedom first, and then we'll jump into this comparison piece. I love you, Callum. You're amazing. We are free. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 4 says, There is therefore no condemnation. Someone say, no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful and flesh, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. How many know that where the spirit is, there is freedom? All right. And so we know that the spirit, when we walk according to the spirit, that we get to walk free from the law of sin and death. This is good news. Come on. There's no condemnation in Christ. Come on, if you're experiencing condemnation, guess who is the originator of that thought? Not God. It's either you or someone who opposes you. Neither are good places to, come on somebody. And we want, we want new creation thinking. We want renewed mind thinking, okay? And so we are free from the law of sin and death. And so what that means is I get to be completely free and I get to walk in freedom. Come on somebody. I get to walk in freedom. And so, you know, what's happening right now, a shift that's happening in the church, is that we're realizing that we don't just need faith for the breakthrough. We need freedom to walk in the breakthrough. Come on, there's some people who are so excited about just, you know, that one pinnacle moment where the breakthrough comes. But how many know that we also got to get ready to sustain the breakthrough? You see, it's one thing to get free. It's another thing to walk in freedom. Come on, there's a Holy Spirit capacity that is on us, not just to have an event or a moment with God, but to walk it out in our everyday life. I tell you what, there, when freedom comes in your life, everything begins to look a little different, doesn't it? You know, in the kingdom of God, we think about the domain of the king. We got, we got some slides going on here, I, I believe. So you, yeah, you put that up there. In kingdom, we define it as this, the domain of the king. And in the domain of the king, there is a person, a realm, and a rule or administration. Three things, a person, a realm, and a rule. When these three things come together, you have a kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. Yeah, we got an asterisk there in the middle because we're separating this. I want you to see this because it's a person. We know we, we, this is easy for us to get. A, a person is a king or, you know, using royalty could be a queen, right? A person who's at the top of a kingdom, all right? Then they have a realm or a territory that they are in charge of. And then they have a set of rules or a way that they administrate the realm that they are over. We get that, right? All right, let's go to the next slide. What about freedom? Well, kingdom is the domain of the king. Freedom is the domain of the free. Come on, somebody. 
And in the domain of the free is a person, a realm, and a rule. It's the person of Jesus. Come on, somebody. We know that it, person of Jesus represents freedom to us. All right, freedom is not just a transaction. Nothing in the kingdom is just a transaction. It's about engaging a person. Freedom looks like something. Freedom tastes like something. Freedom sounds like something. Freedom feels like something. And so we have a person, we have a realm. There's a place where freedom is authored from, and that's, I believe, from the, from the, the reality of heaven. We are living from heaven towards earth. Can I get a big amen? And so it's a realm, and it's, 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 it's a place where there is no shame. It's a place where there is no fear. It's a place where there is no oppression. Come on, somebody. It is, it, how many know that this is where we live from? And so we're all having earthly experiences, but this is not our territory of residency. And so we have a residency in Christ in heavenly places. And so that is the domain of freedom, which is the domain from which we, the realm, if you will, from which we live. And so we have a powerful choice to make. Will I engage the person of freedom and will I live from the place where freedom has originated? Because some of us have some situations in our lives where we're not feeling so free. But I would like to propose to you that you're probably living out of an earthly identity rather than your heavenly identity. Come on, because when the sun sets free, he sets free indeed. And so there's also a rule, which means there is a way that freedom administrates itself. It looks like something. And so I want to talk about some of these three things with you guys today and, uh, and, and, and really go after it. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of we'll put a pretty little bow on this here in 25 minutes and see what happens. All right. Um, you know, so comparison, I'd like to talk about this freedom from comparison. Comparison robs us of understanding of what? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. You see, comparison is a pretty powerful thing, and it robs us of understanding, but it is the understanding of what? What understanding gets robbed in the midst of this point of comparison? There's a powerful conversation where the disciples were coming together, and, you know, and, and they were wondering, hey, who's greater? Jesus, who is greater? Is it going to be Peter? Is it going to be John? Lord, Lord, Lord who's, who's greater, you know? And Jesus was really good. He didn't pick sides. He's basically like, it's none of your business. He's like, well, why, why are you concerned if John lives forever? Why, why is this a concern of yours? Why, why are you worried about what's going on with John? Why are you worried about this, this connection that I have with him? You need to be focused on the connection that I have with you. How do you know it wasn't about if John was going to live forever? They were all wanting to know if John was more special to Jesus than the rest of them. How many know that the enemy loves to come in and rob us of our understanding? If he can keep us spiritually illiterate, come on, he'll keep us disempowered. And so I'd like, I would like to propose that comparison is a thief of identity. And so this comparison, it robs us of our understanding of who we are. Come on, because when you are living in comparison, you are distracted from the source 
that tells you who you are, and you're beginning to compare who you are at an earthly level with someone else also living out there in their earth suit. And so when you don't have identity, you don't have any hope. What is hope? It's the joyful expectation of your future. If you have no hope, then you have no joy, period. And if you have no joy, you have no freedom. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> I mean, comparison's a doozy, isn't it? I mean, we've all at some point in some place tried to keep up with the Joneses, haven't we? You know? I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's just, you know, a lot of action going on there. And, and I'll, I'll never forget, I was five years old and we were renting a house at the time and, and uh, my family, we just kind of moved into this neighborhood and we had, we had a neighbor, his name was Mitchell. And Mitchell would come up, he was five years old as well, and, and he had freckled face and he's kind of cropped little bang haircut and just cute kind of round little face. And he just come up, squinty eyes and say, hi, I'm Mitchell. And didn't know a stranger, like did, did not know a stranger. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, Mitchell, he liked, I, I, I got a new bike for my birthday when I was five years old. And I got a BMX bike, and I liked that BMX bike. That was a white bike with blue and black trim. Uh-huh. I liked this BMX bike. It was, I was pretty excited about it. And, uh, and I noticed that Mitchell liked my BMX bike. He had a little comparison thing going on. He wanted a BMX bike, and he did not have a BMX bike. And so uh, one day we were, we were coming home from church, and, you know, it was uh, about probably 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon because, you know, back in the day, you know, church lasted that long. Amen? And, uh, and so we're coming home, and we're a family of five at the time, and I'm in the back seat. And all of a sudden, I see, like, the, the, the houses that were, like, in this neighborhood were kind of, like, you know, uh, plateaued, if you will. They were kind of, you know, you'd have a house and it'd drop down kind of a retainer wall or a hill, something like that, and go down a little lower and go down a little lower. And so we're driving down our street. Our house is down on the left. We're about five houses down. And all of a sudden, I see this, this little kid on a bike, like, jumping these plateaus, almost as if racing us to our house. On a white bike with blue and black trim. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, you know, he was, he was in the backyards of these houses. No fences, just like going for it, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, we kind of went, the, the gap between the houses, he, he didn't follow us that time. And uh, he kind of disappeared, if you will. And we parked the car and get out and all, and we hear a, a siren of pain. Ah! And Mitchell had wrecked the bike and had gouged himself and was bleeding at his leg and, and hobbling home, running away, trying to figure out his, his deal. How, how many know that when you don't know who you are, you might have a lack mentality and try to steal someone else's abundance? Come on. Even when you're cute, even when everyone wants to pinch your cheeks, even when everyone wants to adopt you in the neighborhood, how many know that when you don't know who you are, you start to behave like a crazy person? Because you start comparing yourself with the people around you. Come on, we've all done it. I've done it, you know. I mean, it's just, it's, it can be so easy to do. And so, you know, it, it's like there, there's, there is something available when we are willing to be set free of comparison that comes alive. And it's the real us. 
You know, and, uh, you know, we have some people, sometimes they come visit us because they know we're friends with Bethel Church, and, and, they, and then they get mad because we weren't fully like Bethel Church. You know, it's like, I thought you were going to be like Bethel Detroit, like little bitty baby Bethel or something. Like, actually, no, we're going to be big Gen 1. We're, 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 we're going to be fully Gen 1 who are also friends with Bethel Church. And, uh, you know, some people just, you know, um, wanted Tony to be Bill Johnson. You know, I mean, I mean, the hair's a little close, but, you know, I, I mean, people come in with weird expectations sometimes because they're so asphyxiated on something that they, that they either think that they need. Come on, somebody. But how many of you walk in here and you want us to be Bethel, you're going to have a very, very difficult experience here. Because God's got something unique on us for the earth. And if you come in here trying to find out who teaches like Bill or who leads worship like Jen or who, what, like you'll miss out on the abundance of what God has in this house to give you that's unique to us. Come on. Ah. We've got an opportunity here to break out of the shell of comparison. I mean, social media is amazing and good things can happen through it. But I think the biggest trap of the enemy in social media is scrolling through everyone's highlight reel. I mean, right? It's like, I mean, you ever, you ever been like, <laughs> isn't it funny when, like, when someone has their phone and they're going through their photos and then you see the selfie moment in their photo stream? Like things that aren't published online, but it's the moment where they try to get that perfect shot and it's like 50 photos in a row. And you're like, doing selfies earlier, huh? Yeah, great, you know. I, I mean, we're like, we work so hard to try to get the, you know, that angle, right? And, Let's just be honest, right? You know, it's like we, we want the phone a little higher so we get the shadows right on the neck, right? Ladies, come on. You know, does this dress, you know, is all the questions. And, and it's all this thing where we are so worried about what people are going to think about us. And in that moment, we get robbed about through thinking about what someone else did on 4th of July versus what I did. You know? Are they having a funner time? More good English there for you. Are they having a more fun time than I had? Are, are, are they, are, are, were they, you know, all the things, right? And the enemy just loves to come in and just say, hey, you're, you're less important than this person. You know, they got a nicer car than you do. Or they got a, a bigger house than what you have. Or they have different friends than what you have. Or they have more friends. Or, or they have, you know, whatever. All, all the things. And so comparison comes and it robs us of understanding of who we are. And we just talked about it. Like, I mean, in Christ, I mean, Phil, like that song was so good. You know, being reminded of who we are in his love. You can't help but in his love be reminded about who you are. Come on, you were fearfully and wonderfully made in his image and his likeness. Come on, somebody. I mean, you are the apple of his eye. He made you unique. You know, I, I love that little thing Ed Delph does. He's like, hey, turn to your neighbor and say, when God made you, when God made you, he, he said, he said, I'll never do that again. I've stole that from him. I use it all the time and I open up with people I don't know because it's a great little moment for us to get thinking about who God says we are. Rather than someone trying to relate with me as they're sitting in a seat and, 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 and in that relationship of listener, speaker, how many go to that? Many people who come to conferences, especially the ones who sit in the first, second, and third rows, often are the people wanting the microphone the most. 
They wish that they were on that flyer. You know? I mean, it is, it is not. It is not. A lot of things. Anyways, if you really knew what it was and what it wasn't, it's not. And so, but man, I love that moment of just saying, hey, the first things first. Let's get reminded about who God says we are. Can I get a big amen? And, uh, and so there's something powerful about that. And, and Jesus illustrates this. And, and I think freedom is, is, a, is a powerful commitment that Jesus gave to us. And, he, and we hear about it in Luke chapter 4. Jesus uh, recites Isaiah verse 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. Someone say good news. To the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Come on. There's something powerful about freedom and good news when they come together. Someone might be free, but if they don't have the good news, they're not going to walk out their freedom. They might get free, but how many know sometimes, you know, we, we're like people who the doors are open and we don't walk out. And we choose to stay in misery. We choose to stay in our brokenness. We choose to empower a victim mentality. We choose, we choose by comparing where we were versus where we think we should be, where, you know, and the enemy comes in with like a flood with lies and keeps us bound in the midst of those doors being flung wide open. How many know that good news is here and it's that I'm free, I get to stay free, I'm free indeed, come on somebody, and it's always available. And so the good news he's talking about is good news of great joy. Luke 2.10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Come on, say that with me. Good news of great joy, which will come to all the people. For to you, born this day in the town of David, is a Savior who is the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. How many know that it's good news that the king came? Amen. Why was that good news? Well, it wasn't just good news because the, the Jews got rescued. It's good news because this inaugurated the new creation. All of a sudden, now I'm eligible for an upgrade in who I am in Christ, and it means I get to be free from the law of sin and death. I mean, people weren't free from the law of sin and death right here. The shepherds weren't free from the law of sin and death. They were under an old covenant, weren't they? But they're here, and the angel's talking to them, saying, hey, I'm bringing you something. It's good news of great joy. The birth of the Savior is the inauguration of the new creation, which means you get to live out a reality that no one in all of time has ever lived out, and it's been happening ever since. We get to become children of God, heirs in the kingdom, and this is good news. Can I get a big amen? And so joy is not a few things. I want to talk about that. Joy is not a response to an amount. Oftentimes, you know, like comparison wants to rob us of joy. It, and it wants to rob us of the joy of this good news. It wants to rob us from the happiness and the satisfaction that we need to not be distracted when we see someone's highlight reel. Anybody ever follow someone on social media just to stalk them? And have you you know, one of the ways to, like, kind of break that mentality is actually to, to like people's things that you're really jealous of. And stop being a, a stalker and start be a, cele a, a, a person of celebration. Come on, give them one more like. Give them one more retweet. Give them a share in their feed. Celebrate the good thing that's happening in their life. Because you know what's true? Is that in between these Instagram moments is brokenness. 
Come on. Moments where we need to be encouraged. Moments where we need to be affirmed. Everyone's highlight reel is just their highlight reel. And so they need that. And so, come on, give them a little bit of love. But joy is not a response to an amount of something. There's not an amount of children. There's not a special amount of money. There's not a special amount of vacations or friends or job promotion or a burger house or some new 22s. Those are rims for all of you baby boomers. There's a few songs about that. It's on the radio for about 20 years now. Anyways. <laughs> Maybe it's 24s now. I might be actually out of the loop. They keep increasing in two-inch increments. You know, it used to be 20s and then it was 22s. It's probably 24s now. Anyways, but joy is not. How many of that true joy which is the breaker of comparison, knowing who you are, the security, the foundation. It doesn't come out of an amount of something. Joy is about access. You see, in comparison, we're thinking about how many friends, how many square feet. Come on, how many inches on those rims. Come on, we're thinking about all amounts, quantities, an amount of something. And we're like, if I could just have more of this amount of things, then I would truly be happy. Then I would have joy. We've all been there, haven't we? I mean, if I could just have a charcoal grill rather than a gas grill. That's all it takes sometimes. It's the simple things. If I could just have, you know, I mean, we go through it, right? And so joy is about access, and it's full access. Someone say full access. You know, you can put this down, Matthew chapter 20. This is the parable of, of the workers in the field coming to the servant, and Jesus shares his story, and they were coming at different points in the day. And so, you know, one comes at the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and the eleventh hour, and then they all show up to get paid at the end of the day, and guess how much they get? They all get paid the same amount of money. And the guy showing up at the third hour of the day is like, hey, I've been here since the third hour. I've been faithful. I didn't take any long breaks. I harvested much. And if you uh, compare my efforts according to everyone else's efforts, then you would know and realize that I am worthy of more. And then the lady comes at the sixth hour and she's like, hey, <laughs> I, I see you third hour, but I'm still better than ninth and eleventh hour. I want to get paid. Ninth hour is like, hey, I see you sixth hour and ninth hour people, but I was here before 11 o'clock and I expect a little more money. What's going on here? And the principle that Jesus basically gives these people is that the reward of the kingdom is not a quantity. It's access. You see, and according to your thinking will be the path of which you leverage the access of the kingdom in your life. You see, what's true is that we all have access to abundance. But the manifestation of abundance in your life is connected to the, to the manifestation of abundance in your thinking. Do you believe you have access? Come on, somebody. Do you believe that your good father has your back? Do you believe your good father truly loves you? Do you believe these things? And, and so, you know, there, there's this powerful shift that's happening in the kingdom of God where we're realizing we got to move from information to transformation, meaning I actually need these things to perform in my life. Because if I don't have real joy, the source of real joy, I'm going to be a terrible individual. 
because I'm going to be a slave to other people's identities. Or actually, I'm going to be a slave to the perception of someone else's identity that's been put together in a picture on social media. Come on. And so what does it look like? And and once again, I'm not railing on social media. It's just a trap if you let it be. If you don't know who you are, social media is a trap, isn't it? You can scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. And what you start doing is you get mad by the person who's doing really well. And you keep scrolling until you find someone that you think that you're better than. And then finally, oh, yep, got them. (laughs) Feeling pretty good today now. Turn that app off. It's a trap, right? And so I, I... I really believe this. I believe that joy is the abiding atmosphere of heaven. You see, when you are focused on other people and walking in a spirit of comparison, your attention gets off of the Father and you no longer are centered on your abiding experience with Him. What does abide mean? It means to stay. It means it's a place of rest. It's about me realizing that God wants to do something for me that I can never do for myself. Can I get a big amen? And so we, we need this reality, this revelation of what it means to walk in that. And so, we, you know, joy looks like something, right? I, I talked to you about this idea that, you know, freedom looks like something. You know, it's a person, it's a realm, it's a rule, it's an administration, if you will. And so freedom looks like something, and I believe what freedom looks like is the celebration of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know, it, it, it looks like something, and, and so the person of freedom carries this reality. And so it's righteousness, which is making wrong things right, being generous, if you will, Peace, which is the uh, reality that I get to live beyond the control of my understanding and his ability to be something for me. And then joy is, is well, we kind of know what joy is. It's that overflow. It's that abundance. It's that, that idea that I have a full security in God and I believe something good's about to happen, which means I don't lack any good thing, which means it's time to have a party. Woo! Just because something has a reason doesn't mean it has a right. And most of us are distracted by the fact that there's a presence of an enemy or there's a presence of a, of a, of a, of a, of a challenge or there's something to overcome. And we believe because something's true in the natural that it eliminates my power or my ability, come on, to live above that place from a heavenly perspective so that I can demonstrate and walk in the freedom that's available for my life. So where is freedom found? It's found in abiding. It's found in resting with God. It's found in that place. And and so how do you lead in that thing? How do you lead in this culture of freedom that real joy is there? Well, I I love how they say um, in in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Come on. This is how you produce a lifestyle of joy. This is how you get out of comparison. As you begin to rejoice always, you pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so rejoicing is a response to his nature. Come on. It's not a a response to your circumstance. It's a response to his nature. Because God is provider. 
That's who he is, and that means his will is connected to his nature, which means his desire is to see a manifestation of who he is. And so if God is provider and I need something, he wants to and will provide. Because that's who he is, and he never changes. Can I get a big amen on that? And so there's something powerful about rejoicing according to his nature as a response to his nature and not just rejoicing for what he's done. Come on. We were, we were praying earlier in the room and, and with the lead team today, the volunteers who are working today in the service, and, and as we do every week at 3.30, and, and man, I, I, was, I was stirring people to be reminded about what the Lord has done. Like there's something significant that the Lord has done for us, and in that moment of being reminded, the testimony awakens a future experience, you know? There's something amazing about that power of the testimony for God to do it again. And, uh, and so when we testify, we are prophesying that future experience according to Revelation. It says the, 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 um, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so what does it look like for me to begin to rejoice in response to his nature? I'm not according to my circumstances. Therefore, says in Romans 14, therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Some of you want approval by men. How do you get it? If you want approval by men, it's to righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Come on, you want people to love you? You want promotion? Act like Jesus. Don't compare apples to apples. Go treat people like Jesus. Go love the world. Come on. Go fall in love with the world and bring them to Jesus. Come on. Go be hope where there's hopelessness. Go be joy where there's depression. Come on, somebody. Go walk out your freedom and watch the favor that's going to be drawn to your life. Come on. I, I, I've shared my story about my dirty cry at Starbucks a few times here. You know, I got some freedom last year. It was powerful. Lord eliminated a lie in my life, and I will tell you this, that that freedom that came to me in that moment as I'm like just like weeping in Starbucks, like I mean like snot on the table. I know it's gross, I'm sorry. But I mean I'm having this encounter with the Lord, and I'm realizing a deeper understanding of who I am. And I shifted in a couple of areas in my life in that moment where I was striving into acceptance with some people. I would see there be scenarios where all of a sudden there would be an old nature version of Drew Neal raise its ugly little head. And then when freedom came, all of a sudden that striving turned into rest. And I'll tell you what, the favor I have attracted in the last 14 months of my life ha has been unprecedented to the, to the 39 years before that. Over freedom. It's just freedom. Being reminded about who I am. Come on, somebody. I said there's upgrade when you're reminded who you are. There's upgrade when you find out a little more about who you are that you didn't know yet. Come on, I'll tell you what. And then joy starts to set in because you realize that God wants to do something for you that you can never do for yourself. <laughs> Is this all right? Jesus said it in John 15. Read a few verses here and we'll wrap this up. It says, as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
You know, I'll stop right there. You know, a lot of people on this verse, we think that God's love is transactional. They say, oh, well, Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, then you'll abide in my love. But how many know the things that Jesus commanded his disciples to do were, was an invitation to realize that there was a culture or a way that the kingdom of God would work. So the disciples are here, and they're like shaking in their boots because Jesus just told them he's leaving. I mean, chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is leaving. He's saying, hey, I'm going away, but I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And they're freaked out because they have no authority. They, they believe they have no authority. They believe they have no favor. They believe that they are, they are meaningless without Jesus. Jesus is the source of their significance. And they think that God's doing something for them only because of Jesus, which actually is true, but they didn't have a revelation of the incarnation, right? Uh, and what the step after that was was the spirit living in us. They didn't realize that Jesus wanted to go a little deeper, you know, not just be around us. He wanted to be in us, which is going to empower you even all the more. And so he's saying, hey, if you love me, just do the things that I've taught you to do. Like if you love me, if you really, if you want to see this thing happen that we've been believing for, do the things that I've trained you to do because in this is where you're going to find actually not just, you know, my approval. You're going to get an upgrade. You know, there's some of us that have been trying to like put the coins in the machine and trying to do all the right things to try to get God to love us. God doesn't want you to keep his commandments so you can earn his love. God wants you to keep his commandments so you can get the upgrade in identity and live out the life of purpose and meaning you were called to live out. There is a potential inside of you that is currently dormant. You are bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. And when we realize what God's trained us in, how he's discipled us, how he's prepared us, how he's made us ready, how he's made access through his word, through his spirit, when we execute on those things in a place of saying, God, I surrender, like something powerful begins to happen. God wants to do something for you that you can never do for yourself. So he goes on after he says, I says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I'm telling you this so that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. You see, some of us are just looking for the moment, the mountaintop of freedom. We're looking for the breakthrough, the moment. But see, Jesus, you see, when he brings breakthrough, when he brings freedom, you see, joy doesn't just show up for a moment. It remains. And some of us got to, like, let go of performance. Let go of quantities of things. And begin to abide in his presence face to face and be reminded about who he is and what he longs for us to walk in an encounter. Jesus has something available for us that will remain all the days of our life. That, could, that would pale in comparison to the things that we would create in our own strength. In everything, give thanks. Some of you are in the room and you've been comparing. Some of you are in the room and you've been disappointed. Some of you are in the room and, and man, you've been keeping, you know, a, a ledger of quantities by the Smiths and the Joneses. And the Lord's just wanting to invite you into a moment of choosing to abide rather than to compare. That true joy would become your strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength.
everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. Father, right now, I just thank you for your spirit that's here. Lord, I thank you for the reminder about who we are that's here. Father, just like that song said, I know who I am in your love. We're going to sing that one more time before we get out of here. But Father, I thank you, Lord, for your spirit. That, Lord, wants us to be fully convinced that it's you and us that allows me to be full. Not just me gaining a blessing from you. Not just me having a transaction from you. Not just me living in an, an amount. But, Lord, you've given me full access to you. Abundance, provision. You've given me everything that I need to succeed. You've given me access. And so, Father, right now, we lay down our idol of comparison. Lord, we lay down our idol of quantities. Lord, we lay down our idol of amounts. And, Lord, we exalt the banner of abiding with you and celebrating the access that we have to all things. This message on words of wisdom, it's a, it's a message on access. We, we have access to divine knowledge, divine intelligence. We, you know, the, the message on identity that's sweeping the earth is about access to being, to love and being approved. The, the message on signs and wonders is we have access to demonstrate the power of God. The, 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 the message on wealth and prosperity is that we have access to, to create things. And, and, and the message on, on prophecies, we have access to his voice and we get to duplicate that and, and And the message on power evangelism is that we have access to a message that will set the captives free. And he's given us keys to unlock chains and unlock doors. Come on, somebody. The message on culture of honor is giving us access to dignifying people with value. Come on. There is access in the kingdom of God to all things. We do not lack. Our joy is not in the quantity. Our joy is in the access. The good father who calls us his sons and daughters has given us access to who he is. Who he is. Not in our own strength. Not in our own ability. We are not limited to man's ability to promote another man. Come on. There's some ladies here, and all of us men know that you ladies dress for one another. And that's fine until it's not fine, and it's robbing you. Because you got access to the Father. you got access to the bridegroom who says that you've been made in his image and his likeness who calls you a daughter, who calls you a princess. Come on, comparison wants to rob us. And so, Father, right now, we just make this divine exchange. 
Lord, we eliminate the lie that my joy and my satisfaction is a number. And we shift and we make the upgrade right now, Lord, declaring that my joy will be full as his joy remains in my life, knowing that I have full access to who Jesus is. And so, Father, right now we repent of comparison. We turn the other direction. And we eliminate the stronghold that the enemy wants to place on us in these moments. And we crush that lie right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> freedom! Let freedom reign in this place. As we are reminded who we are in your love. Affirmed, valuable, healed, whole. Intelligent, effective, made in his image. We say yes to this in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name.